You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that air. Well, we made it. It's officially Friday. Let me turn this down a little bit. I've been trying to mess with this a little bit to make it sound good, and I forgot to put it back, so it sounds a little crazy. But we made it. It's Friday. Well, I haven't made it yet. It's technically Thursday for me, but I'm just going to assume that I wake up tomorrow, and uh, we'll celebrate together. We'll do it together. One of you guys wouldn't mind checking in on me. That'd be great, just because I want a party, too. But yeah, that'd be, that would be fantastic. Um, so I am fairly pleased to report. I mentioned last year that I was very, very upset. I took, I took time off for a couple different periods of time where I was like, I just need to take some time, a couple days, a week here, whatever. Um, I did that this time, but not nearly as much. And I was really upset to find out that I just barely missed a million downloads. I had 949,847 downloads for the year. This year, however, I am on track. In fact, I should, pending any serious problems, kind of blow past it, um, assuming my averages kind of not necessarily stay where they are, but um, are what they are usually for the regular season, which is pretty much the rest of the year. So all that to say, please don't bail on me. It's kind of a big milestone. There, there are better things that could happen as far as the numbers, but uh, I'll settle I'll settle for that one because that'll be, that'll be nice. But in general, I do want to just remind you... Um, let people know about the podcast. That would be fantastic if you can do that. Um, I completely forgot uh, Jacob. See, the, I'm I'm so I'm so bad at this. I have so many people that want to help me with stuff, and I'm just so lost with everything. I told Jacob I was going to be hooking him up with some business cards because he was going to be handing those out, and then I just forgot. But I mean, whatever it takes. If nothing else, like I said, invite people to the Facebook group. I was I was really just racking my brain today. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, you kind of just go through the motions, and then I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wait a minute, why why aren't things better? I think things should be better. I should be doing something about this. And then I start getting crazy, and I start thinking crazy stuff, like making real drastic moves and changes and things, and it's like, all right, calm down. But I do think it's entirely possible, and it, it really isn't going to take all that much. You know, I always think about how it's like a pipe dream, you know? Like someday I'm going to actually make something out of this, and I'm going to be able to make, make this like a full-time gig. It's like, ah, but I dream. And it's like, well, wait a minute. It's not even that big of a dream. Millions of people are fans of the Green Bay Packers. I need about 10,000. If I get 10,000 that tune in daily, so let's call it like 40-ish thousand that are aware of the podcast, 10 check in about daily. That's it. I'm done. I'm good to go. I'm set. That's not that. Is that greedy? I don't think that's greedy. That's a, that's a small percentage. This tiny little nothing town I live in has 6,000 people in it. So... Again, if, if everybody told three people, tell three people, hey, check out this podcast, we're good. We're good to go. We're done. It's over. It's like I tell you with Patreon, it's the exact same thing. It, it's, it seems minor and insignificant to you, but if everybody did it, it would be pretty massive, by the way, patreon.com. Anyways, it's enough begging for now. I just, I, I didn't mean it to be beggy. I was just 
telling you about um, my brainstorms, which is a common occurrence on the podcast. Things cross the brains, and I got to tell you about it. But anyway, speaking of Jacob, um, if you're not following me on Instagram, by the way, uh, you should probably do that. Jacob is uh, helping run that. He does a pretty good job. He understands how that thing works a lot better than I do. And one of the things that he did this past day, as in yesterday for you, was to ask you all for some bold predictions. And so we'll, we'll, we'll keep it open for a while, but I want to go through some of these. Since we are getting close to the season, let's, uh, let's start talking about, forget what the media thinks. I'm not saying I'll never th- talk about it again, but we've done that for a while now. It's getting played out. What do I think, and what do you think? Captain Colby Jack says 14 and 3. So I, I, I want to actually not just read them. I want to go through this a little bit. I want to I I interact with these. First of all, let's assume 14 and 3 means Rodgers is coming back, which I think most people assume. It doesn't have to be that way. We could say Jordan Love comes in and he's fantastic or whatever, but let's just say Rodgers is back. Who are the three teams we're losing to? And, and let's keep in mind that things are never exactly the same as they were last year. We, we always forget that. And you know how I know we always forget that? Because if somebody makes a bold prediction, and by bold, I mean something that maybe wouldn't have happened last year, but I think is going to happen this year. People go, you're an idiot. How do you know they're an idiot? It's entirely possible maybe they, they haven't been paying attention to football since 1994, and they just assume it's that, and they don't know what's going on. Or it's possible that they just think that something's going to be different this year, because it is, and it's just a matter of what. But again, I'm not super scared of the Saints. Maybe I'm missing that one. They do have a good team. I mean, it's kind of similar to the Packers, where you say, well, if you don't have Drew Brees, you're going to fall off. And it's like, well, not entirely necessarily. We've got a good cast around us, but come on. Even if Rodgers, I mean, we, we had this matchup last year, and Breeze was there, and we won. If Breeze is gone, I, I don't, I'm not worried about that. We got the 49ers are an option. I, I don't necessarily think so because I think it's going to be Trey Lance. No disrespect to him, but I think it's going to be, he's going to take some time to fully develop. I don't think by week three he's going to be taking down Aaron Rodgers, but we'll see. Steelers I'm not super scared of. Uh, let's see, hopefully not the Bears. So we got the Chiefs, Seahawks, Vikings, Rams, Ravens, Browns, Vikings. You could maybe say split with the Bears. I don't know. So, so there's quite a few candidates here. So I don't think I will split with the Bears. I'll say we split with the Vikings. And then I'm not going to say Chiefs. That's one that a lot of people are going to say I'm not. I'm going to continue with my thesis that that team continues to decline they may have just lost their uh, big-time pass rusher. Uh, the offensive line is starting to decline. They're, you know, uh, again, sort of that 300 line. And before this battle was over, that even a god king can bleed. And I seriously think there's something to that. I think there's something about being immortal and then realizing you can, or, or believing you're immortal and then realizing you're not when, when blood is drawn. And I really think that there was something to that. I think it kind of happened to the Panthers when they lost in the Super Bowl, right? They went undefeated. They got annihilated in the Super Bowl, and they never really were the same again. There's a lot of psychology in it. So I'm not going to say the Chiefs. I know I'm going to say the Rams. I've been pumping them up for a while. The Ravens are are knocking at the door. I think the Browns could legitimately be a scary team. Who else is a contender here? I, so the Bills, certainly, but I, I still don't, I don't know. So Bills, I'm not saying Seahawks, Rams, Browns, Ravens. Maybe I would say Ravens. Rams, Vikings, something like that. If, if I can only pick three, the Bills are a preseason game. That's why I can't choose that. I mean, I, I can. We can lose to that, but that, that obviously doesn't count. Um, Yeah, I think that's what I'm going with. Split with the, the Vikings, Rams, and uh, and Ravens. And and the thing that stinks about that is you know, and, and I think JJ even said this on Twitter, um, 
even though I think he was ripping me off, so I'll take credit for it. The Rams are likely, in that scenario, the team that you're thinking, please, please, for the love of all things, don't let us play the Rams in the end, especially if we lose in spectacular fashion to the Rams. If the Rams beat us like 42 to 21, and we go to the NFC Championship, I'm not even, I'm not watching the game. I'm, t- <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I will, but I can't. Because you know, you know, just I can't handle it. That's that's the other thing. Let's let's talk about that. So we can't let that scenario happen. We can't get annihilated by an NFC team. If we're going to get beat, it has to be an AFC team. Now, there's still going to be massive fear that what if we see them in the Super Bowl? That could be the Chiefs. That could be the Browns. Uh, that could be the Ravens. But I don't want to get beat badly by an NFC team. The Saints... Um, we could it could be the Vikings. Oh, would that just be the worst if it was the Vikings? If it was the Vikings' turn, oh, can you imagine? Do you know how painful that would be? First of all, three years in a row. But on top of three years in a row, on top of you know Rodgers is just going to throw his hands up and say, "Forget this place. I mean it this time. Get me out of here." And the Packers are probably be like, "Yeah, I get it. We should move on. We should move on with this whole situation here." But if we get beat badly by the Vikings in the regular season and then see them in the NFC Championship game and everybody knows going in, the whole universe watching that football game is going to be watching saying, yeah, they're done. And we know it. And we're going to tell ourselves we don't know it. And I'm going to sit here on this podcast and I'm going to say, listen, history has nothing to do with this, right? It's 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 like uh, flipping a coin. Just because you came up heads two times doesn't mean it's going to be heads a third time. It's 50-50 chance here. Same probability, but I know deep down I'm lying because <laughs> I know we're going to lose. So that'll be my three. Interesting little uh, little thing for you to go over who your three would be. And really, there aren't a lot of wrong answers because stuff can happen. I mean, it could be the Saints. I mean, it, leave aside the, the idea entirely, obviously, that you can lose to a bad team and just have some kind of a fluke. But, you know, if we talk about teams that legitimately could take a step and, and be good enough to beat the Packers, the Saints technically, yes. 49ers, yes. Lions, no. Steelers, absolutely, with that defense. Big Ben sounds like for the first time ever he's taking this very seriously. He's on a real strict diet, is slimming down all this stuff. He's always been a guy that's like, I feel like he retired five years ago. They still have some issues on the offense, but I think they could probably take some strides. Bengals, probably not, but who knows? Maybe Joe Burrow just freaking goes off. Bears, certainly, if if Fields is a really good quarterback, you know, the defense still has some firepower. Um, it's entirely possible. Washington, I heard somebody kind of pump them up. I haven't really looked into them that closely because I always, what is the team? I didn't come up with an an official name yet. I did like, somebody mentioned Washington whatchamacallits, and I thought that was smart. Otherwise, the politicians or the lobbyists or anything along those lines is, is obviously, uh, it's, it, it, again, it doesn't really roll off the tongue, which would be nice, like the whatchamacallits. I I might, I might go with whatchamacallits. I appreciate all the entries, but that one's, because it kind of just, highlights the stupidity of the whole process but anyways I need to take a closer look at them because I, I'm not even entirely sure what their latest transactions and things have been I gotta I gotta look them over but I don't think I would expect that the Cardinals certainly um, I haven't been very high on them as you probably know if you've been listening um, we've got the Cardinals on October 28th by the way might as well highlight this August 14th is one month away today's the 15th today is also the day by the way that many of you may have gotten your child tax credit. I know I did. Now, I know that's technically for your children, but Palmer Home for Children would love your help. <laughs> I, I don't... Was that a bad thing to do, or was that a really good thing to do? I don't know. I feel slimy saying it, but at the same time, I'm trying to get you to give money to charity, so I can't feel that bad about it. If, you, if, 
If I said it should be for me, which by the way, patreon.com that one's bad, but I'm fine with it. I don't care. You, you know the link. Palmer Home for Children, man. Child tax credit. It's basically in the name. Anyways, um, Cardinals, I have not been as high on them, but I do think that there's something there potentially for them to finally kind of step up. I mean, they do have a pretty quality quarterback. I think he's overrated, but he's talented. He's obviously extremely athletic. He's one of those guys that can just, maybe the defense just gets caught by a mobile quarterback again. We know how that goes. They do have a very good wide receiver. They got some other components in there um, to where, even despite the holes, look at the Rams, for example, the fact that they have such elite pieces in key places, eh, maybe. Chiefs, obviously. Vikings, obviously. Seahawks, obviously. Rams, Bears, Ravens, Browns, Vikings. Really, the only team I cannot see in any capacity winning is the Lions. But even then, you could maybe make a case for golf going off or something stupid happening. Who knows? Which is kind of a scary thing. They're, they're, you look at the schedule, and, and there will probably be no-brainer wins, but we don't exactly know who the no-brainer wins are. Some of these teams are probably going to be just god-awful. We just don't know it yet. But it's hard to look at it and say, this team is definitely going to be trash. I mean, the Bengals probably bad. Steelers, high probability that they're not elite. Lions, almost a certainty. 49ers, especially early, not bad. Saints don't have a quarterback. Bears, we'll see. Cardinals, too many holes. Chiefs falling apart. Washington, I don't think, has very much of anything. Seahawks, it's Russell and nobody, which is what it's been for about five, six years. Not entirely nobody, but it's close enough. Vikings are tough, but I think we can beat them. Rams, same situation. Ravens, same situation. Browns, same situation. So it's just half cup full, half cup. Half cup full, cup half full, full cup full cups. Do you understand what I'm saying? Try to pay attention, please. Why do I even do this if you're not going to pay attention? This is serious. Anyways, thank you very much to Captain Colby Jack. Anyways, next on the list, we got Phil in Minnesota. Rogers walks in and there is zero issues. I suppose at this point you could call that bold, especially the zero issues part. But I, I really do think that is probably what's going I I would agree with that. By the way, 14 and 3, I, I didn't say whether I agree or not. I, I Let's say 13 and 4. And even that makes me nervous because there's so many good teams and so many good games, but I think that's attainable. But anyways, Rodgers walks in, there are zero issues. I, I do think that that's, I think that's what everybody wants, right? If he comes back, the number one goal of everybody, Goot, I think Rodgers, I think Lafleur, is to not make things weird, right? Don't make it weird. You act weird, we don't get in. Now, that isn't to say that the media isn't going to hype this thing up and isn't going to try to push it, right? They're like, I don't know if you had this. But I had that one sibling that wanted to push buttons, right? Mom and dad maybe were kind of having it out. Let's just say hypothetically. Bit of, bit of a, a scrum. And after a while, things start to calm down. And me and my brothers felt that it would be a good idea to not rock the boat. We felt that it would be a good idea to try to make things happy and light. But then there was my sister who wanted to ask questions. Why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why were you yelling? The media is kind of like my sister, who was evil. (laughs) I don't even think she would disagree with me. I'm not saying she is. I'm saying she was. She was a demon spawn, and and it's kind of like the media. What's going to happen? Rogers is going to come back. He's going to say something to make it seem like there was never that big of a deal. We're all good. Nothing to see here. Mark Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur, they're all going to follow in line. They're going to say, we're, you know, we just had to work a couple things out. We're good to go. They're all going to in unison say that the media blew this out of proportion. And that's really going to make people mad. People like Schefter, especially, who initially reported this, which again, I don't think he lied. 
but he is not going to take kindly to that. And, you know, you got other guys like, uh, you, you know the names, I don't need to say all the names again, but the uh, shock jock types that are not going to like to think everything is okay because this has been a major moneymaker for these guys, and they know that things are volatile. And they know that there's a good chance that if they rock the boat, maybe things will get a little uh, rocky, which, you know, because we're rocking it. But yeah, they're, they're, he's going to come back and play it cool, and I think the fans are going to do the same thing, right? Even even the fracture, we're going to try to work close together like there was never a big fight. A lot of fight analogies today, but, it, you know, you, you, ever, you ever have that where you kind of get into an argument with your significant other, and sometimes you realize the best way is to just pretend it never happened. Right, you guys don't talk to each other for like five, ten minutes. Maybe it's thirty minutes. Who knows? You're sitting outside. She's sitting inside. And then you come inside, and she's like, uh, "You want pizza? Like, yeah, it'd be good. You want uh, you want cheese or yeah, yeah, cheese is fine." And that's it. It's done. Just like that. That's kind of how this thing's gonna play out. Just forget it. It was a stupid argument, and you don't see eye to eye, and you're not gonna come to a conclusion. So let's just hit the reset button like it never happened. It's the best case scenario. And nobody's going to like that. I mean, well, nobody outside of Green Bay and the fans. We're all going to like it. And by the way, let's please do that. When Rodgers comes back, let's just move on. It's going to be the best case scenario for all of us. We don't need to keep fighting each other. It's kind of stupid. It's, you know, it's something to do in the offseason. But if we're fighting each other over a football player who's playing right now that we all agree we want here and we like, rather than, you know, being excited about an upcoming game, that's kind of stupid. But uh, yeah, I I do tend to agree with that take. Um, by the way, proud dad moment. I'm going to brag a little bit. My family went to the Dane County Fair. I did not because I was already in Madison today. I went to work and I did not want to go back. But anyways, they all submitted things. Uh, they entered projects or whatever. And uh, they went to go see how my daughter did with her photography. And apparently she got first and second place for, <laughs> for her photography. Now, I, I shouldn't say first and second place because that's misleading. Because they do this weird thing where you can either get like first, second, third, or fourth place. Everybody gets one of those, and there's like 100 people. So there's like 50 people that get first place, 60 people that get second place, etc., etc. No, she got the actual first and second place. I think one person gets the merit badge, and one person gets the grand champion badge. She got the merit and the grand champion for her photography. So again, I'm going to brag on my daughter a little bit. Congratulations, Kaylee. Very well done. By the way, if you want to check some of that out, let me check real quick. Naturally Smart Rabbits on Instagram is where she does her photography and stuff. She turned in a lot of these different, uh, a lot of these deals here. Anyway, speaking of proud dad moments, I, for the first time ever, and as soon as I asked my son to do it, I was like, oh man, I felt a lot, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I felt a lot of pressure. I asked my son, I was building this little uh, TV stand thing that we bought, um, and I asked him to hold the flashlight for me. <laughs> and there was, there was so much pressure. Because I felt obligated to just absolutely tear into him. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I've never been on this side. I've, we, we've all joked so much about, remember when we were kids? And like, it's, it's so weird because you don't know that everybody's going through it when you're a kid. You're like, you're trying to hold a flashlight. And he's like, no, over here. Ryan, what are you doing? I need to see right here. Put the flight right there. I don't know what you're looking at. What? Okay, light. There you go. He's casting a shadow on what he needs to see. And he's like, okay. and then he takes it away from me. And he tries to do it with, you know. One hand, make me feel like an idiot. Turns out everybody went through that. And so um, told my son to hold my cell phone, which was doubled as a flashlight while I tried to screw something in. And he did an okay job. So I couldn't, you know, I, I had an opportunity because as I was screwing it in, couldn't see the screw anymore. But I didn't really need to because I was in the groove, you know. So he was kind of just flashing it on the backside of the screw. 
So I could see where it was going in, but I couldn't see exactly the screwdriver to screw connection, which is where I would prefer to be able to see, but I didn't need to. You can do it blind at that point once you're in the groove. So I didn't want to just be a jerk and be like, put the light over here. Now, my daughter, on the other hand, who was four, also wanted to hold the flashlight. She was a nightmare, but I, I also decided not to tear into her about it. Her first go-to was to say she really wanted to hold the flashlight and then immediately just propped it up somewhere for me. And then she spent more time flashing it in my eyes than she did where it needed to be flashed. So I just took that away from her. But um, yeah, I, I wasn't prepared. I didn't, I, I didn't even realize I was in the moment until I said, I need you to hold the flashlight for me. And then I just felt this massive amount of pressure to berate my son, and I just, I, I guess I failed because he did a, he did a decent enough job. I, I got it started, good to go, and, and there'll be plenty of time. I mean, he's, he's a little young. He's only six to start yelling at him about the flashlight. I'll wait till he's like 10 or something, but yeah, yeah, two, uh, two proud dad moments in one day. Told my son to hold the flashlight, my daughter's winning uh, awards for stuff, so good, good times. And yesterday, my four-year-old did not damage the puppies, which is shocking, because she does not know what it means to be gentle at all, but she was with the puppies, so, I mean, yeah, things are, things are going well. The baby did kick a lot of the puppies, though. That was, that wasn't great, but she's fine. She's, she's, she's a good kid, aside, aside from the, the puppy kicking. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break here? We'll get back to, uh, some more of these. I was hoping to rip through all of them and do many more things, but, uh, this is taking some time, mostly due to rambling, but, um, you know, when I'm tired and in a good mood, I just, I, we just hang out sometimes, and that's okay. We can just hang, we can just be friends, man. We, we just got to talk business all the time. You, you businessman. Anyways, I think I've done enough begging for the day, so why don't we just take a break? We'll f- just launch back into stuff. How does that sound? Sound good? Great. Talk to you in a minute. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. We got a bold prediction from Goose. He says Adams gets Offensive Player of the Year with circa 1,700 yards and 17 touchdowns. Circa does not mean circus. It means around. I don't know why he couldn't have just said around. He thought he just was going to make me Google stuff. Joke's on you, Goose Man. I already knew that word. Trying to make me a better person. But that's uh, that's th- those are pretty serious numbers. Now, keep in mind, offense was, was off the charts this past year. Offense was stupid. Number one in yards was Stephon Diggs with 1,535 yards. Number one in touchdowns was 18. 
and number two was 15. So one guy, Devontae, obviously, but still, got to 18. Um, now, if we look at yards per reception, uh, how do we do this? Let's stick with Devontae. Uh, let me see what his career average is and then compare that real quick. So he had 11.3. His career is 12.1. So we'll go with 12.1. He actually was pretty low. I'm, see, now I'm curious. Man, if his receptions were a little higher. So his, his career average is 12. In 2019, it was actually 13. But it went down to 11.3, but he had more receptions. What if he had 133 receptions, which is what he had, but kept his 13-yard average 17.29? Would you look at that? Now, again, this is one of those situations where the stars have to align because he's only had 13 or more yards per reception twice in his career, um, and this is the most receptions he's ever had. I mean, it's kind of been going up pretty linearly, linearly every single year. Uh, why does it say 20? Oh, postseason also. If you include postseason, 20 touchdowns. Are we including postseason? Because then it would be 1,500 yards, 20 touchdowns, but whatever. 133 receptions is the most he's ever had. And, and again, I kind of think that might go down, partially because it's just an absurd number, but also because with Amari, I kind of see Amari as being more of a, a possession guy. He's going to get volume. I think Jace, uh, excuse me, uh, Josiah, We'll probably snipe a couple. I think the running backs get involved. I think you want to spread it around as much as you can. I just think Devontae's just the guy. But is somebody going to step up and kind of be more of a consistent the guy? Probably. However, I'm, I'm going to throw you that bone. He did cross that touchdown threshold last year. Technically, if you include the postseason, had 20 at 1,500 yards. But again, real low on yards per reception. In fact, if we take 133, just times his average of 12.1 that puts him at 1609 so it puts him just under so I think it's very unlikely he gets there if he does it's it's a pretty historic thing I want to go back as far as I can just using PFF I'm sure there are probably better you know what let me use something else here I think there are better ways I know exactly how to do this well unless I did this wrong that's never been done before (laughs) let me let me see here yeah so uh, according to this over 1700 yards has only been done eight times um, you've got Marvin Harrison in 2002, Michael Thomas in 2019 was 1725, Charlie Hennigan in 1961, Houston, uh, 1746, Isaac Bruce in 1995 was St. Louis, 1781 yards, Antonio Brown in 2015 with Pittsburgh, 1834 yards, Jerry Rice in 1995, 1,848 yards. Julio Jones in 2015 with 1,871 yards. And then Calvin Johnson, 2012, 1,964 yards. Touchdowns, the highest was Jerry Rice with 15. Otherwise, it was 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8. And Calvin Johnson, shockingly, 1,964 yards, only had five receiving touchdowns on that season. Now, if we look at touchdowns, you've got one, two, three, four, only five guys ever, one of them being 2020 Devontae Adams, which that's a heck of a stat that I don't think we've we've touched on. Not only that, but the Green Bay Packers are on here twice. Sterling Sharp in 1994 also had 18. Mark Clayton in 1984, Miami had 18. Jerry Rice in 1987, San Francisco had 22 touchdowns. And Randy Moss in 2017, New England had 23. If you look at the yards, the highest was 1493. So, Goose, I appreciate the optimism, man, but this would be beyond, well, it wouldn't be beyond historic. It just would be historic, but it would be historic on multiple levels. I mean, he would be the sixth person ever 
to get 18 or more touchdowns, and the only person on by a mile that is on this list twice, one of only a handful to have over 1,700 yards on the season, and the only guy that is also in both categories. So that would be arguably, I mean, I'll, you know, you could put Calvin as far as his yards uh, at 19, but I would say arguably the best single season statistically for any wide receiver ever. And if he doesn't get Offensive Player of the Year after getting those kinds of stats, well, it's a stupid system, and we're just going to give him some kind of our own award. So I'm not with you. I'm not. But, again, appreciate the optimism, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Next up, we've got, what does that say? W-N-E-E-L-88. Wenil 88 says, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones both have double-digit touchdowns and are pro bowlers. How am I going to go about that? That's probably more attainable. Let me just look at the 2020 season and see who did that. I'm assuming we're talking about scrimmage touch, like, you know, total, whether it be rushing or receiving. No, I'm not going to use PFF because that's just giving one of each. But um, as far as guys that had 10 touchdowns, they're not even, is it even listed on here? Oh, yeah, there we go. Um, So we have 15 running backs that had 10 or more touchdowns. Who the heck? Jeff Wilson had 10 touchdowns. So it's pretty common. Anybody from the same team. So Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb last year um, each had 10 plus. So Kareem Hunt had 11. Nick Chubb had 12. That was that. Nobody in 2019. In fact, only nine players hit the 10 mark. Aaron Jones, obviously, on here both years. 2016, you had um, Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman. That was a heck of a combo that Atlanta had for a while. You've got Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram in 2017. I, I you know what? I think I'm, I'm, I'm a buyer on that because when you, when you look at the quality of these duos, it's not like you've got two Derrick Henry. I mean, you've just got two really quality backs, right? Like, like um, Ingram and Kamara. I mean, Kamara is a fantastic bat. I think Ingram was just a great compliment. I think I could easily see that. So you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy in on that one. Pro bowlers, I don't know. I don't know how that all works out. You know, are they going to be kind of iffy because one got in? You know, I mean, it's there's no solid standard, so they kind of use their own criteria. They may want to not do that. I don't know. Uh, this is via Agile's Adventures, Agile's Adventures. Green Bay will go to the NFC Championship for a third year in a row. I don't know if there's a way to statistically check that, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna buy in on that. I just I think so. Um, if you just look at the NFC teams, the question really is, are they a top two team? And I think they are. Again, we're assuming Aaron Rodgers comes back, but they're they're easily better than all the NFC East teams. Um, I think they're the best team in the NFC North. Uh, I think they're better than every team in the South, with the exception possibly of Tampa Bay, which I think is a fair assessment. Um, and so you've got then what, I think it's just the Rams, you know, and again, you can make a case for some other teams and if, and you can, uh, again, there's a difference between how they were last year and what may happen. If you think San Francisco is going to be a dynamo, then okay, fine, whatever. But just, just based on the, on the best available information, especially when you consider the Packers kind of beat the Rams and it didn't seem all that complicated for them. I just think it's fair to say that they are a top two team in the NFC. Will they continue that way? I don't know. But just as easily as you can say, well, I think they regress, or I think the Cowboys really come on strong this year, or the Giants, which I think is a potentially underrated possibility, or the Vikings, or the Bears. 
or whoever, the, the Cardinals, the Rams, the 49ers, the Seahawks, anybody in the West you could easily make a case for. I, I think in either direction. But just as easily as you can do that, you can say the Packers take a step because think about it. The offense maybe can't get much better, but the defense absolutely can and I think will. Just, just think about if, if, if Jair and the safeties kind of just stay where they are and may, maybe slight regression, right? Okay, Jair is not the top number one guy, but he's still a top five corner, right? Which the, the difference, not that substantial. Still a lockdown corner in the NFL. Then the safeties stay on point. If we just get that defensive line and add in Eric Stokes as an improvement over King, competent, not talking elite lockdown, but competent corner at number two. It's a scary defense. And it's not that crazy because I'm not saying, well, maybe the defensive line takes a jump for no reason. Like, you know, this is like, it's the Detroit Lions. It's like, well, maybe they all just become awesome. No, I'm talking about Zedarius playing like he did the year before, Preston playing like he did the year before, Kenny playing like he did the year before. Guys just returning to what they were and Rashawn continuing his ascent. That's all I'm saying. So yeah, I'm, I, yes, NFC North Championship agreed. Win or lose, you didn't comment on it, so I'm not going to comment on it. We'll leave it at that. Densea says 14-3, and three, so that's second vote for 14-3, and three, beat the Bills in the Super Bowl. That would have, I, I said last year, that would be my favorite Super Bowl ever, and I, I stand by that. The Bills are my second favorite team, not that I want to lose to them. Patriots used to be my second favorite team until they became super dominant, and I didn't like them anymore. So I would hate to start hating the Bills, but it would be fantastic. I would love it. And I do think the Packers would beat the Bills. I mean, again, I am, I am, uh, I'm always leery. It doesn't, I mean, you get to that level, when you get into the playoffs, it really doesn't matter who it is. You can easily lose the game, whether it's the Bills, the, you know, the Bucks in the NFC Championship game, the Rams, the Ravens, the Cardinals, whatever. But I, I think if they would have ended up playing the Bills or even possibly the Chiefs, I think they won the Super Bowl. But just stupid Tampa, man. Aaron Timothy, that's that's what I'm going with, says Mason Crosby gets us the number one seed in a week 18 nail biter. Jeez, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, week 18 is against the Lions. I mean, look, if we're talking, I mean, okay, it's the number one seed. So I guess the season didn't go bad, right? We're talking number one seed. It's fantastic. It's a great thing. However, nail-biter with the Jared Goff Lions, that's that's a little scary. And it's just, it's one of those things, too, where you're gonna, I'm gonna have to comment on, that's not a great way to get into the playoffs. But, you know, win's a win, whatever. Can we say we clinched the number one seed in week 17 against the Vikings? Can we say that? That'd be fine. Or even the Browns or the Ravens. I don't know, you know, when we end up clinching the number one. The earlier, the better, because it just means we're even more dominant. Anyways, the final one here... Rodgers only throws for 30 touchdowns, but we go 14-3 and three behind Jones and Dylan. 14-3. I guess that's what we're doing this year. It says he only throws for 30 touchdowns, but we go 14-3 and three behind Jones and Dylan. So an increased role for the two running backs. There's no real stats. I mean, I guess I can look at Rodgers' stats and see how crazy that would be. So Aaron Rodgers in his career, let's see, he threw 30 touchdowns in 2019. So there you go. He threw 28 in 2008, uh, 25 in 2018, 18 in 2013, 16 in 2017, 1 in 2017, 0 in 2006. But it looks like three years in which he had substantial amount of dropbacks, 704, 600, and 681, 2008, 18, and 19, uh, in which he had 30 or less. So it's, it's possible, although I don't think you would call any of those years uh, banner years for Aaron Rodgers. 2019 wasn't the worst, but it certainly wasn't the best. And they were recent, you know, 2018 to 2019. 
I mean, we got 2020, which was 53 touchdowns, which is his best ever. But um, yeah, it works for me. It, it, it would kind of make me nervous, but at the same time, maybe it's a good thing. Kind of like when, when Devontae goes out and it's like, dude, we're doomed. And it's like, yeah, but we never lose when Devontae goes out because it, you kind of just kick into another mode. It almost would feel like if, if that's how we got there, and let's say, again, he's, he's got us at a great record, 14-3, and three, that's how we got there. We're taking the pressure off Rodgers. Maybe this is how we, we get, get over the hump because we're not just leaning on Rodgers to make some kind of a crazy play every time. We're going to win by just smashing you in the mouth over and over, and Rodgers kind of comes into a supporting role, and that, that isn't necessarily a demotion because he's lethal. But you can't just sit back and tee off on Rodgers all day long because that's not even our main mode of operation. And if your main focus is stopping the pass, you're kind of in a lot of trouble. So I don't necessarily think that's how we get there. But if it is, then I think I would be happy with that. And again, it would kind of, plus that's kind of playoff football in my mind. You know, you got to be able to control the variable. You don't want too much volatility. That That's real dangerous stuff when you're going up against top end teams, especially against guys like Tom Brady, who are just they just keep coming over and over and over and over and over, and they don't stop. You got to be able to play control. You got to win in the trenches. You know, you you can. I I think big time air it out football when you're scoring 40, 50 points. You know, the 2020 Packers, 2011 Packers, 2019 Chiefs, whatever. 20 2019 Ravens, 2018 Chiefs, whatever. Those teams will light it up in the regular season, but when you get into the postseason. You gotta be able to play defense. You gotta be able to play ball control. You just have to be able to impose your will. And I think that would be a good thing to have. I do. And 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 again, if you're giving me 14 wins, that means it's not that we're a bad team and we limped in and Rodgers is having a bad year and we're having to lean on the running backs. We're just dominant and this is just how we play. We don't need Rodgers to throw 53 touchdowns or 49, 47, 42, but whatever. We got there. We played a lot of defense, played a lot of keep away, ran the ball a lot. A lot of ball control, a lot of clock management, burned a lot of clock running for first downs. I don't mind it. I, and it, and it kind of makes you feel good, right? I mean, it, it's it's always scary when it's like you drive down the field and get a touchdown, and then they drive down the field and get a touchdown. You drive down, because it's like if, if we don't get a first down here, the game's over and we lose, because we can't stop them. There's a, there's a feeling of comfort, and I think, you know, we've seen it with teams like, you know, the Bears in 2018 and the Vikings several years and obviously Seattle and San Francisco. A lot of these really dominant teams where the focal point a lot of the time is the defense and they can run the ball really well. There's just this feeling of control. And it's scary playing teams when they're at their best like that because it's just you just you can't move the ball. And, and you have a hard time stopping them, even though they aren't like air it out kind of a team. They just keep smashing you over and over and over and not only that if you're if you don't have a big lead you really start to get scared because you know in the third and fourth quarter your team doesn't have anything left in the tank the team going up against that control team which actually the Packers did really well in 2020 they controlled the clock really well and kind of just dominated in the fourth quarter so you know I'm 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 not necessarily all the way with you but I think if that's how we got there I think I'd be okay with that But anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Friday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one, and bye-bye.